Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All right, now, here we are. We're entering into chapter two of Ruth and with this entrance into chapter two here, we've really turned a corner because chapter one was a pretty dismal chapter. It starts out very depressing. It ends even more depressing. It's a very depressing chapter where we saw in chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, this man named Eli Melech from Bethlehem, he makes this absolutely tragic mistake, this tragic decision, wrong decision, to let the famine in the land of Israel drive him to choose to forsake the people of God, the Jewish people, and go and join himself to the enemies of Israel, the Moabites. And we've seen how all of his hopes and all of his visions and all of his plans for a good future, they just came crashing down in verse 3 as he dies. And then we saw in verse 4 how his son seemed to want to pick up out of the ashes and go on. And they continue in this direct disobedience to God. And they take Moabite women for wives. And they try to carry on with their father's dreams of a new life blended in with the with the Moabites, the enemies of God's people. And then we saw how tragedy came again. It struck again here in verse 5 as the two sons die. It's getting worse. And then in verses 6 through 7, we saw that all this was just too much. It was just too much for Eli Malik's surviving wife, for Naomi, and she made the good decision. And she said, I'm going home. I give up. I'm returning to the land of Israel. And then we saw in verses 8 through 13, how in a terrible state of depression, Naomi coerces or tries to coerce her two daughter-in-laws, go back, go back to your people, go back to your gods. And in verses 14 through 17, we saw that Naomi could not convince her daughter-in-law, Ruth, to go back to her people and her gods. And in verse 18, we saw that finally Naomi just gave up on that, trying to convince Ruth to go back and she caves in and lets herself be stuck with Ruth. That's how she looks at it. She's stuck with Ruth. And then in verses 19 through 22, we see here how Naomi's entrance back to her city, back to the place she left, back to Bethlehem, as she became the talk of the town. And the talk of the town was how terrible she looked <laughs> and how poor she was. She should have such a reputation. And so the book so far has just been a history of a terrible family tragedy, all because decisions a family made were decisions that were not based on O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. You know the song? Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe, doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it happily, 
Action is the key. Do it obediently. Joy you will receive. Because they didn't know that song. Okay. <laughs> so because Eli Melech's family didn't make these good decisions as to where to live, and they tried to blend in with the enemies of God, it was one tragedy after another. But through this tragedy, a unique Moabitess, Ruth, emerges. And she's got this quality that is absolutely remarkable. And it comes out for her. What quality is that? What has she got? What's the quality? What would you say? What's her quality? She was faithful. She had faithfulness. In contrast to her sister-in-law, Orpah, she was, Ruth has been consistently faithful to Naomi. And up to this point in our history, Ruth has been for us just a picture, a sterling picture of faithfulness. And this is what is so important to see about Ruth, that she fully understood, Ruth fully understood one thing. She understood the cost of faithfulness. She knew the cost of faithfulness. You know, we live in a day today of unfaithfulness. We live in a day when spouses are unfaithful to each other, and therefore divorce is so rampant. And there's just no difference in the divorce rate between outside the church and inside the church. It's a disease. Why is there such a high divorce rate? Unfaithfulness. Unfaithful to the simple vows. Stay married. Love. Cherish each other. For better or for worse. For richer or for poorer. In sickness and in health until death do us part. There's not a situation in marriage that's not included in the for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health. And the reason there's so much unfaithfulness in marriage, and by unfaithfulness, I'm not only referring to adultery, but I'm referring to divorce as being the unfaithfulness to the marriage vows. The singular reason for divorce is unfaithfulness in the marriage because people today have not sat down and considered what is the cost of faithfulness. There's no cost a faithfulness in a marriage during the times of for better. There's no cost in a faithfulness in the times of marriage when it's for richer. There's no cost in a marriage in the times when it's in health. See, faithfulness in a marriage is seen when the cost of faithfulness is paid during the times of for worse, for poor, and in sickness. And Ruth was faithful and loyal to Naomi and to God because in her declaration of her vows of faithfulness, which is really what these verses in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 are, Ruth is proclaiming that she sat down and she considered the cost of faithfulness and she was vowing to pay this cost. And there were things that Ruth did not say in those two verses, chapter 1, verses 16 through 17, in her vows of faithfulness to Naomi. Ruth did not say, I'll go with you and receive with you a great welcome home when we come to Bethlehem. And she didn't say, I'll lodge with you when we come into your mansion in Bethlehem. And she didn't say, your people are my people and your God are my God when your people and your God shower me and shower us with wealth. And she didn't say, when the city builds a great burial mausoleum for you, then I'll be buried with you in that great mausoleum. And she didn't say those things because there's no cost of faithfulness in those things. And what we've seen so far in our study of Ruth has been Ruth's faithfulness to Naomi and to God as well as Ruth was paying the cost of faithfulness, which are parts of the marriage vows. It's the for better, for poorer part here. And we've seen that it's not been at all easy for Ruth. It's just not been easy at all. 
to be faithful to Naomi and God. Naomi made it crystal clear to Ruth and to Orpah too that there was going to be a cost of faithfulness and that Ruth would have to pay. Naomi just made it crystal clear. Naomi has this uncanny ability to make the worst so crystal clear. But Naomi made it crystal clear to Ruth that Ruth needed to be prepared to pay the cost of faithfulness when in chapter one, verse 12, Naomi's told Ruth that for her to be faithful and stay with Naomi, that's gonna be, Ruth, are you ready to say goodbye to any prospect of getting married again? Ruth, the cost of faithfulness will be that you will not know the romance of a husband again. You will not know the thrill of a husband holding your hand. You'll not know the security of a husband sheltering you and taking care of you. You'll not know the joy of having children and the laughter of children in your home. Say goodbye, Ruth, to your family. That's the cost of faithfulness. That's your cost of faithfulness. It's gonna mean that you'll not see your mother and father again. You won't see your brothers and your sisters again. You won't see any of your Moabite family again. Say goodbye. Say goodbye to your own comfort in life as your life is gonna mean that you, if you come with me, you're gonna be poor and you're gonna have to work hard in the hot sun to get food by essentially begging for the privilege to pick up food that others drop during the harvest. And so Naomi was saying to Ruth, Ruth, would you please sit down and consider the cost of faithfulness? Ruth, are you really ready to pay this? You really ready to pay this cost of faithfulness? You know what, chapter one, verses 16 through 17, is really Ruth's reply back to Naomi. And she said, yes, Naomi, I have sat down. I have considered the cost of faithfulness. Yes, Naomi, I'm ready to pay that cost. And I know when I say, whither thou goest, I will go. And she said in verse 16, that means going back to Bethlehem in a destitute state. And I'm willing to pay that cost of faithfulness in order to go with you. And yes, Naomi, I'm ready to pay the cost of faithfulness. And I know, and when, it, when I said, where thou lodgest, I will lodge, in verse 16, that means going back to Bethlehem in a destitute state, and I'm willing to pay that cost. And that means having no idea where we're gonna live. And to be without the security of knowing where we're gonna live, I'm willing to go. And yes, Naomi, I'm willing to pay the cost of faithfulness. And I know when it says, Thy people is my people and thy God is my God in verse 16. That that means going among your people and paying the cost of faithfulness to be a black person in Selma, Alabama in the 1950s and be despised and treated as a second-class citizen. I'm willing to pay it, Naomi. I'm willing to pay that cost of faithfulness and to still say your people is my people. Yes, Naomi, I'm willing to pay the cost of faithfulness. And I know when I say where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried, in verse 17, that that means that I expect to die as a poor pauper and be buried in some common grave for beggars, and I'm willing to pay that cost of faithfulness. That's why Ruth is such a precious picture of faithfulness, because she sat down and she considered all these things, the cost of faithfulness to Naomi and to God, and she got up and she said, count me in, I'm willing to pay the cost of faithfulness. Chris Spielman, he graduated from Washington University in Massillon, Ohio, and he married his high school sweetheart, uh, Stephanie. They were both Bible-believing Christians. And he was one of the most, Chris Spielman was one of the most decorated football players in high school, college, and NFL history. He had the most number of interceptions for the Detroit Lions. But when his wife got breast cancer, 
He put his career on hold to care for her. He paid the cost of faithfulness. She had five bouts of breast cancer during a 12-week period, and he wrote a book which he said, I'm happy to pay the cost of faithfulness, and he called the name of the book, That's Why I'm Here. So before Ruth made her decision to be faithful to Naomi and to God, she had done what the Lord Jesus Christ said to do in Luke 14, 25 to 33, when he said, when first of all, the setting is very interesting. It says, there went great multitudes with him, with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he turned and said unto them, if any man come to me and hate not, his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also, he can't be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Less happily, after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king? What king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise... Whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. See the setting? The setting here? Great multitudes were there. So he looks, he sees the great multitudes following him, but more importantly, as only he can, he sees the hearts of each one in those great multitudes. Like it says in Jeremiah 17.10, I, the Lord, search the heart. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is looking at all these hearts He's looking at all these individuals, they're following him, and he searches their hearts, and he sees them, he says, I see a great need. I see a great need. They really have not considered the cost of faithfulness. They haven't considered it. And so he turns to them, and he says to the multitude, now, he's talking to Jewish people, so you Jewish people, some of you, the cost of faithfulness to follow me will mean you can just say goodbye now to your father and your mother and your wife and your children and your brothers and your sisters because they're going to hate you and you're going to have to even deny yourself. You ready to pay that cost of faithfulness? You really? Have you thought about it? For some of you, the cost of faithfulness is going to be so great that when they hate you for following me and your own body is crying out for pleasures that I don't allow, you'll have to hate your father and your mother, and your wife, and your children, your brothers, and sisters, and your own life in order to pay the cost of faithfulness. You ready to pay that? Have you really thought about that? Are you ready to pay it? And then to make sure that each individual is ready to pay the cost of faithfulness, he uses two examples of the builder wanting to build a tower and the king wanting to make war. And in both examples, he uses the same phrase, which is, sitteth not down first. Sitteth not down first and counts the cost. Sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able. So as the Lord Jesus Christ looks over the hearts of the individuals, he saw that each one needed to sit down first, count the cost, and decide if they're prepared. Pay the cost of faithfulness. You know, this reminds me of two Jewish men today, both living in New York City within 15 miles of each other. One's a rabbi, very religious. The other's a typical secular Jewish man. And both of them watched my testimony DVD 
and both of them received the Lord Jesus Christ. When the rabbi told his wife that he believed that the Lord Jesus Christ was the Messiah, she gave him one chance to recant and renounce Jesus. Otherwise, he would not be allowed back home that night to their really nice house that her father bought for them. (laughs) And he could no longer see his children. And he could no longer have his job working for her father. And immediately, he called to tell me that he had renounced Jesus. And he was returning to traditional Judaism without Jesus. Now, on the other hand, there's another person, a secular Jewish man, who was under a lot of pressure at work. And this pressure was so great that it forced him to get on his hands and knees and to cry out to God for help. And he found the testimony DVD that he had received eight months ago in January. And he stuffed it into a drawer and he watched it and he prayed the sinner's prayer at the end of the DVD. And he had married his high school Jewish sweetheart and he'd been married to her for decades. And he was not expecting the reaction he did when he told his wife because she told him if he followed Jesus, that she could no longer live with him. And when he told me that, I held my breath as I waited for his response, which was, there's no way I'm going to turn back from Jesus. I'm staying with Jesus. Two Jewish men, both married to Jewish women, both living in New York City within a short drive of each other, both watched the same DVD, both received the Lord Jesus Christ as their God and Savior, Both had a similar response from their Jewish wives. One said, I turn back and choose my wife, my children, my job, my house over Jesus. And the other said, there is nothing going to make me turn back from Jesus. What's the difference? What's the difference between these two men, these two Jewish men? What's the difference? One sat down and counted the cost of faithfulness and decided to pay the cost of faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Cost what it will. And the other, he didn't really sit down and count the cost. And when he saw that the cost of faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ was too great a price, he said, I turn back. Two Moabite women, one named Orpah, one named Ruth, both married to Jewish women, both living with each other, both widowed, both faced with the same decision to be faithful to Naomi and to God. Follow Naomi back to Bethlehem to be with the people of God. Orpah, she decides to not be faithful to Naomi and God. She turns back to her people, to her gods, to the prospect of getting married again. Ruth, she decides to be faithful to Naomi and to God, and she forsakes her people and the Moabite God. She gives up the prospect of getting married again. What's the difference? What's the difference between Orpah and Ruth? They both saw the cost of faithfulness and to Naomi and to, and, 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 and to, and to God, and Orpah said, too much. Too much to pay, too great a cost. Ruth said, not too much, worth it. I'll pay the cost of faithfulness. So chapter one is all about the cost of faithfulness. 
It's not easy. It's not an easy cost of faithfulness for Ruth to pay. It's not an easy cost of faithfulness to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, especially for Jewish people. But the Lord Jesus Christ knows how great the cost of faithfulness is, and he says, it's worth it. It's worth it. As hard as it is, coming to the Lord Jesus Christ is worth it. It's worth it to pay the cost of faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. He, the Lord Jesus, he sees the cost of faithfulness, and he says, to choose pleasing yourself over the cost of faithfulness is a disaster. When he said in John 12, 25, he that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. When Paul was faced with the prospect of losing his life as the cost of faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ, he said in Acts 20, verse 4, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. See, when Paul said that the prospect of him dying as a cost of faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul said, didn't move him. Didn't move him. Because he wanted to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, compared to being faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't count my life dear to myself. Because he saw a course. Paul saw a course. And he saw this course. And that course was preaching the gospel, bringing the gospel, the gospel of the grace of God. And even if the cost of the faithfulness to finish this course cost him his life, Paul says, I don't care. I don't count my life dear to myself compared to the dearness of being faithful to my calling to finish the course with joy I've received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So seeing the cost of faithfulness to him, the Lord Jesus Christ gave his advice when he said in Luke 13, 24, strive, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Two different words, strive and seek. And when he used the word strive, he used one of the strongest words in the Greek language, which is the word agonizomai, from which we obviously get our word agonize, which means to struggle to the point of agony. In other words, fight to enter in at the straight or narrow gate, straight or narrow gate. It's not, it's not the Baptist church that's the most narrow. It's not the Presbyterian church that's the most narrow. The most narrow is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul spoke of how narrow it is for a believer when he said in 1 Corinthians 9, 25 to 27, every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. He says, I keep my body. I keep my body under it, and I fight it to keep it in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Ruth saw the cost of faithfulness, and she's prepared to strive to the point of agony to pay the price, pay the cost of faithfulness to Naomi and God. So as we pass through chapter 1 and into chapter 2, we've seen the cost of faithfulness to Ruth. And now Ruth has decided to pay the cost of faithfulness, and the tide is beginning to turn. Because the Bible doesn't only talk about the cost of faithfulness. The Bible talks about the reward of faithfulness. And now we're starting to see this emerge. But there's not a reward of faithfulness. 
unless there is the cost of faithfulness. One comes before the other. And God has promised that for anyone who pays the cost of faithfulness to God, that he will make sure, God is no man's debtor, he will make sure that that person receives the reward of faithfulness. Because he said in Mark 10, 28-30, Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we've left all and have followed thee. In other words, what are we going to get? Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. 